Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of the Beyond the Known podcast, we're joined by Joe Korb, co-owner of CCA Technology. Located in Waukesha, they've been providing IT services and consulting to businesses for over 12 years. Joe, welcome to the program, sir. Good morning, Paul. Thank you for having me. So CCA Technology, give us a little bit of a background. What do you guys do? What services you provide? That kind of thing. Yeah, so CCA has been in business, like you said, for over 12 years, providing anything that your internal IT department would provide outsourced, right? So anything from help desk level one, two, and three tickets to network engineering, any work that needs to be done on your Wi-Fi network, your servers, your printers, etc. I found that people pretty much have a love-hate relationship with technology. I am firmly on the hate side. I love what it does for society, don't get me wrong, but I don't understand it, therefore it kind of sort of scares me. You obviously love technology. Where did your love of technology come from? You know, tinkering around as a kid, was a big part of my life, learning to take apart a radio, learning to put it back together, just figuring out how things work. That's always driven me, right? And so wanting to understand a computer network, a computer itself, right? How that can impact a business. So my bigger passion aside from technology is just business growth. And I think that's one of the things that CCA does exceptionally well. Right, we work with our customers to determine what they're working on as a business, as opposed to simply what's the technology in their business. So how can we use technology to make their business grow? And that's the benchmark that we set up, right? How can we be valuable, not just in the technology space, but as a partner? And I think we've been really, really successful at, that's why our customer retention rate is spectacular. In the 12 years we've been in business, we've lost three customers. Two of them have gone out of business. One of them, we dropped the ball, and we've been blessed in that way. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges business owners, organizations face as it comes to technology? What are some of the biggest challenges you see in that space as it pertains to technology? A lot of the stuff that you do with IT is something that people believe that they can do on their own, right? So I can watch YouTube videos, and figure out how to replace a head gasket on my car. But I'm not gonna do that because I'm not sure it's gonna go optimally. I'm not sure I'm putting everything back in the right spot. That can be dangerous. The same can be said with IT, right? You can look up videos on how to optimize your network. And that oftentimes when we go into a new relationship is one of the biggest challenges for us to overcome is either an owner or maybe a savvy millennial who knows a bit about technology is a little overconfident and we walk into a mess and it's pretty expensive to fix. And so that's one of the things that I would, we see that a lot, right? Going into a new relationship, things aren't in the same condition that perhaps an owner of a business, a president of a business thinks that they're in. Now, obviously you're a co-owner of CCA technology and being a co-owner of a business obviously has its ups. And it also has its downs, its challenges, its stresses. Why did you want to be owner of this company? And what kind of an experience has that been for you up to this point? 
Yeah, so my business partner, Chris, was the founder of the business. CCI are his initials, so he started the business just wanting to provide basic IT services to businesses. I don't think that he anticipated that it would grow. But Chris and I are a great yin and yang, right? Where I might be a little bit a risk taker. He's a little bit more of a risk averse person. We balance each other out especially well during a sales process, right? Where he might be a great needs analysis person. I can come in and understand the overarching impact of IT on a business and speak fluently to a business owner in that regard. And I wanted to do that because I attained my MBA in 2011. So entrepreneurship or business ownership was always going to be part of my path. Prior to joining CCI, I'd have been in different sales roles, which I loved because it gave me an opportunity to quote unquote own a territory of business and treat it as my own. So I knew that business ownership was going to be part of my path and joining CCA was a natural fit simply because of their passion for the customers and the, the core characteristics of the employees really match who I am as a person. And that's the way that we go to market. My side, I've heard pros and cons of this, and I would certainly welcome your thoughts and your feedback. But when you look at a business partnership, I've heard some horror stories about partnerships that just fail, they don't work. However, I've also heard success stories of partnerships that without these individuals coming together, the business never would have been what it turned out to be. Obviously, you and Chris have a good partnership. So could you speak to that a little bit? What makes a good, successful business partnership? You know, I don't know that I have the greatest answer for that. The fortunate thing is that Chris and I have known each other since we were 18. We played together college soccer. We played in a band together, like we were rock and rollers together. And we've gotten to know each other very well over the years. And truth be told, had I not known Chris as well as I had, I think I would have been a little bit more pessimistic going into a relationship like that. Because you're right, there can be many obstacles that if communication between the partners isn't great, you're not going to overcome. And some of the practices that Chris and I have put into our rhythm on a weekly basis, communicating have been especially helpful. I mean, every Friday we get together, go to a coffee shop at 6.30, often spend three to four hours talking about the business, talking about what's going well, what processes we can improve, what current clients we're going after, how we can present ourselves more accurately to our target market. And it's really worked well for us. Yes, we've had some disagreements, but the fortunate thing is that we have both been able to communicate well enough to work through those and compromise. I mean, that's key to any relationship, right? With my marriage, I've learned over the 16 years that I've been married that love is sacrifice, right? What are you willing to compromise and give up for that person? So I apply that to my working relationship with Chris and he does the same for me and it works out really well. As a business owner or a C-suite executive potentially listening to this podcast, I think there's two buzzwords that individuals in those positions constantly think about, productivity and efficiency. And I think any organization that is good in both is on the right track and is going to do very well, not only short-term, but also long-term. With respect to technology, Joe, do you find that most business owners are as productive and efficient with their technology solutions as they could be? And if the answer is no, what's usually lacking from what you've seen? I think most businesses are productive and efficient in their core competencies, right? So when we look at Wisconsin, we have a lot of manufacturers. 
they're going to be focusing a lot on throughput, how their processes can be improved, how the machines can be made faster, how they can cut down on waste, etc. right? But when it comes to technology, I think that that's a different animal, right? It's a complex system. It's something that we would encourage anybody, whether it's with CCA technology or really any of our competitors to have a network assessment done regularly, right? Once a year, it's, it's a checkup. We do that with our bodies. Why don't we do that with the thing that's really the heartbeat that's driving our organizations? That's technology, right? So we even encourage our customers to do that with competitors, just to make sure that we're honest, that we're applying the best practices because without efficiency and productivity, and in our tagline, we include security because data management and data security and cybersecurity are of the utmost importance. Without those three things, a business is not gonna succeed. Being as well-versed in technology as you are, I have no doubt that you don't know, I mean, you know the history of technology, you know where we are at the present time as it pertains to technology, but I'm assuming you also keep your finger on the pulse of what's coming, what's down the pike, and you're also smart enough to probably start making assumptions on your own in that regard. From a business perspective, what does the future of technology look like? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because typically Wisconsin is behind the curve when it comes to a lot of different things, and technology is no different, right? We have emerging trends like blockchain, like Bitcoin, AI. We see a lot of that in the consumer space, augmented reality, right? These are emerging technologies that aren't being implemented as much in Wisconsin as as what we see. When it comes to CCA technology, the technologies that I've just mentioned are the equivalent of a heart surgeon. Very important to have an expert in that area. What we would be is more of the family practitioner, the general practitioner, the doctor that you go to 99% of the time because you need the help with the basic bodily functions, or in this case, basic functions of the network, keeping it running. So what we see and what we are experts in are data management, data security, right? Backing up data, making sure that networks are running optimally. If we think about our network in similar terms to a manufacturer, right? If every time is money and we have to wait an extra 10 seconds for a software program to load and CCA technology is able to take that off the plates of 50 employees, well, that's 500 seconds every time that thing loads and that time equals money. So when we're talking about the future of technology, Wisconsin needs to step up a little bit in that area. But there are experts that we know that we refer people to if they want to start talking about blockchain and some of the more emerging technologies that aren't fundamental or foundational to a network, which is what we are experts in. So we've talked a lot about technology. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about entrepreneurship. Because I think that also is a topic of great interest to our listeners on this podcast. And as a co-owner of CCA Technology, you are no stranger to the world of entrepreneurship. And CCA is doing quite well under your leadership. So you know a thing or two about how to be an effective leader. What would you say, Joe, what characteristics make a good entrepreneur? I think first and foremost, an entrepreneur needs to be a servant leader, right? And that's not just with employees. Somebody that starts their own business and they're a one-man shop needs to be a servant leader to their customers. That's going to be number one, right? And I think very similar to a good salesperson, entrepreneurs need to have fortitude, unbelievable amount of fortitude 
the level of rejection that you're going to face as a salesperson or as a new entrepreneur would cause most people to backpedal, to consider themselves failures, and to give up. So I think having fortitude and, of course, that servant leader, which just drives ethics, which drives integrity, right? It drives our attitudes in our everyday. Those are the key characteristics of a successful entrepreneur. So with respect to being a solid servant leader, where did you learn that? Who modeled that for you that kind of caused you to emulate this and bring that to your business? I've been fortunate. I mean, my whole life I've had parents and teachers and friends, other family members, coaches and mentors that would not give up on me, would not let me accept failure as an end. And so that's pretty much what's driven me to want to emulate those people in my life to my employees, right? You know, you think about the leadership of my father, right? Showing love, unconditional love. Man, it seemed like no matter what I did, it was great. It was awesome. He taught me lessons. Chief among them was owning up to when you'd make a mistake. I mean, if you ask me how I got to where I was today, I failed a lot, but always learned from it, right? And so failure was never the end. What would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from your past failures? I mean, that's hard to generalize that into one simple answer other than not to give up. <laughs> a story I was read as a kid, the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think, I mean, who knew when I was two years old that I was learning a lesson that would just be imprinted into my brain that would drive me toward success through the failures that I would have. So I don't know what the biggest lesson is other than to not let it define you, right? Your mistakes don't define you. How you react to them defines you. Is there a particular mindset or mentality that you have that prevents you from giving up? Because I think you've seen this in your life. I know I've seen it in my life. You see ambitious men and women, driven men and women, some face obstacles, some fail, and they stop. Others face that fear, face that failure, and they keep going. From your experience, is there a certain mindset that those people that keep going have that those that stop don't in terms of how they view these opportunities, how they view these challenges? Honestly, I think that people who don't give up at all are almost maniacally competitive. They just, they won't accept losing. It doesn't mean everybody who is maniacally competitive is going to be the most successful person in everything that they do, but those are going to be the people that people look up to, the leaders, the thought leaders, the ones who are maybe not just thought leaders, but are actually putting this their ideas into action that people start to follow. So you're a man of many talents, not just leadership, entrepreneurship, or technology, but you're also an author, which is a nice hat to wear on your head. Your first book called Recruit hire and retain sales pros, your guide to not making a $50,000 mistake. How did that come about and why that topic specifically? I think for me, it was, it was a challenge, right? I mentioned earlier, we want to find ways to be valuable to our customers beyond IT or even beyond technology. And previous to joining CCA technology, as I mentioned, my career was in sales and sales leadership. The first five years of my career, 
I spent at five different companies. I do well, I'd sell, noticed by somebody else, I get recruited. I wanted to go there because I was making more money. I did that five times, five different years. And now being a co-owner in a business, I look back on that and I realize, man, even though I sold well for those companies, I was a bad hire. They invested a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources, training me on their products and services, getting me up to speed, giving me resources, whatever it might be, a company car, a cell phone, et cetera. And after a year I left and I realized I cost those companies money. And so I wanted to take that experience and find a way to solve a problem that many businesses have that either they don't know they have or they're not willing to face it. So in doing some research for the book, I discovered in 2018, that was the last year that these statistics were available, anybody that was a frontline or an entry-level sales employee, 33% of them turned over in that year, whether voluntarily or involuntarily. That's an astronomical number. A third of anybody that was a salesperson in an entry-level role either quit or was terminated. That's a huge problem for businesses. And I was one of those employees to those five companies when I started my career. And having gone through that, I know a lot of the red flags that companies need to look out for, especially when they're beginning the recruiting process for salespeople. And if I can teach them how to look out for those red flags, what are the key things to hone in on, and then how to bring those salespeople on board and how to retain them, that's going to be hugely valuable, well beyond the money we might be saving them by being an outsourced technology provider versus having an internal IT person, right? And so that's why I wrote the book. And honestly, like, Training salespeople is abundantly important. My salespeople go through the cold call university that yours truly created, and it's been unbelievable tool. So I'm a huge advocate for training. But the goal of this was to figure out how can we bring the right people on board in the first place and then train them and incentivize them to stay on board, okay? And so that's the genesis of the book. It's a short read, it's about 95 pages. A real easy book. And as the title suggests, it's simply a guide on how to do that thing. And like many sales trainings or sales books, almost no matter who you are, you'll pick up on a few nuggets of things that you hadn't thought of before. So I encourage anybody to read that. We provide that to our customers. A lot of the feedback that we've received has been very, very positive. Not a lot of our customers have salespeople that number in the hundreds, right? So it's hard to get a really good resolution in terms of the success that it's had. But a lot of them have said, hey, we haven't lost anybody. And the ones that we've brought on seem like they're more dedicated to this job. They're more dedicated to the products and services that we provide. They seem like they're going to be a better long-term fits. So I think there's something to the book and I encourage people to read it. No, again, I would never ask for you to divulge your secret sauce. I mean, if anything else, we do want people to get a copy of the book. And again, Joe's book is called Recruit, Hire, and Retain Sales Pros your guide to not making a $50,000 mistake. Again, not wanting you to give up all your secrets. Can you just give us one nugget of information here, Joe, as a value add to our listeners? Based on your expertise, based on your experience, what would you say is the biggest mistake companies make in hiring sales professionals? I don't know if I know what the biggest mistake is, but I know what mistake number one is, and it usually comes in the job requisition, right? They don't know what the characteristics are of the person that they're even looking for because they haven't done a pro they haven't used a profiling tool on some of their best salespeople, or maybe if it's a small organization, their owner who also acts as a salesperson. 
So that job requisition often doesn't clearly communicate the exact type of person that they're looking for. So one of the first chapters of the book lays out word for word, I take that back, it lays out section by section what a job requisition for an effective salesperson should look like. And it contains a tool, and this might be one of the secret sauce things that you're talking about, contains a tool that you can use to weed out about 90% of the bad applicants right off the bat. Among your passions, you also are very passionate about music. And in your free time, which isn't abundant necessarily with all the stuff you have going on, but I do know that you enjoy playing guitar and singing for your church's worship team, as well as writing and recording your own music at Cherry Pit Studios in Menominee Falls. Has music always been a big part of your life? And if so, how did that come about? When did you first start noticing you had a passion for this? Yeah, man. I mean, some of my earliest, earliest memories are of my dad playing guitar, playing some Beach Boys or some Elvis, and me dancing around and singing along. And as a kid, I could often be found with headphones on, in my favorite Lazy Boy, listening over and over to a tape of Michael Jackson going back to the Beach Boys. And man, I would memorize those songs. And actually, I'd use that as a mnemonic device to do well in school. I mean, I just, I would put things I need to memorize to music. But yeah, that continued on to learning first to learn the piano. Man, I couldn't play anything right now. Then I learned the saxophone in elementary school and didn't care for it as much. I always wanted to play the guitar because that was the, I saw my dad doing that. And man, was, he was my idol, right? And so I started learning the guitar at 14. And immediately, I always wanted to write music. And I can remember the first song that I wrote on my own. And it is so bad, Paul. I mean, it's just an embarrassment. It's so bad. But like I mentioned earlier, I never gave up. I just kept writing. And not that I'm some profound music writer, but it's an unbelievable stress relief for me. You know, I should probably do a little more exercise than I do, but going home and strumming the guitar and, and writing a song and then being able to go into a recording studio and record it and having that recording that someday my, my grandkids will be able to hear. I mean, there's something special to that. The type of music isn't up everybody's alley. I mean, it's mostly all rock and roll and some of it's fairly light and melodic and people enjoy it and some of it's not up everybody's alley. But you know what? For me, it's about having something that lasts that I can show for the efforts that I put. And I love it on top of it. And to put in a plug for Cherry Pit Studios, they're great. I mean, Eric runs that studio. It's the quality and value that I get for my recordings is unmatched. Where does the inspiration come from for your songwriting? Is it just based on your day-to-day experiences or does that inspiration come from somewhere else? That's a question that I get fairly often when people find out about my weird habit of writing and recording music. And I have a hard time answering that because... A song can be written in a number of different ways. I mean, the majority of the songs that I've written have, have been words and a melody that just come into my head. And I don't know where. Maybe it's from something that I've heard. I don't know. And I put music to it. Occasionally, I'll come up with a, a guitar part that I think sounds particularly fancy and want to write a song off of that. But a lot of the songs that I have, if you go through my music catalog, they definitely have a spiritual element. So I grew up in the church. You know, I go to church every Sunday, as you mentioned. I play in my, my church's worship band. None of the music is, I don't proselytize. I'm not trying to convert people, but that is foundational to who I am as a person. And so you hear some of those things come across in terms of struggle, right? What are the, some of the things that I struggle with in my life? What are the things that I'm tempted with? 
I deal a lot with that, working through those demons, and it's good to get that out in terms of, or in the form of music. I've written songs about my wife and my family and my kids, and that's it's a special thing to be able to play that for them and see them tear up and know that they mean that much to me. I have a couple songs that I, I was dealing with other relationships that, yeah, made me a bit angry. And so you can hear that in the music and in the lyrics, but I wouldn't say that there's a particular single issue that motivates the music. It's just, yeah, like you said, whatever I'm dealing with in life. I don't know that I've written a song about business struggles, though. That, that might be a new one. <laughs> Maybe I need to work that into my repertoire. We'll have to watch for that one, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So, Joe, you shared a lot of good information today about CCA technologies, the services that you provide, the value that you bring to organizations you work with. If some of our C-suite executives, entrepreneurs, or business professionals listening want to follow up with you to learn more, how do they do that? So anybody that wants to learn more about CCA technology should visit our website. That's www.ccatechnology.com. And technology is singular. Our phone number is 262-264-0959. I encourage anybody that's interested in a free network assessment to give me a call. And if you mentioned that you heard about us on the podcast, CCA Technology will make a donation of $50 to the Community Stars Donation Program. Well, that's very generous of you, Joe. We certainly do appreciate that. Well, Joe, we really thank you for being on the Beyond the Known podcast here today, sharing your ideas, your energy, your obvious passions with us. I think everybody listening to this is going to walk away with at least one solid nugget, and we certainly are grateful that you shared your expertise with us today. Paul, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts.